if God is all there is, there is no lack. What what is there? How can God want? Yeah, what do you what do you get the God who doesn't want anything? Exactly. <laughs> How Christmas uh you give shopping. him your heart. Oh, oh. <laughs> Brian, I think that's the show title. When you get the God who doesn't want anything. <laughs> Welcome to episode 62 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft fruit pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in the glass tonight. You can watch us live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. at Pub Theology, Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern at pubtheology.com. And of course, you can queue up our podcast anytime on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, as well as the New Thought channel on your Roku or other streaming device, uh, hopefully soon also on the uh, Google Play Music Store. And tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsors. Uh, as usual, Casual Priests, maker of fine clergy wear out of Sweden. They're tailored, modern, confident, and stylish clergy tops for men and women. Uh, you can join our conversation anytime and leave a message on our Casual Priest hotline that's 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830 you know i forgot to check to see if we had any voicemails i'll do that um leave a message you can win some free clergy apparel or you can join us on the social mediums that is twitter facebook use the hashtag pt live and our wine sponsor is wink wine club Wink features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. Get started at trywink.com, and that's W-I-N-C. So it's trywink.com slash PT Live for $20 off your first order and other fine savings. Ooh, ooh, can I boast on Wink for a little bit? So my last shipment that came Like in, we could stop you, by the way. Here, here, here. <laughs> um, so I, had, I got a Wink shipment, and you know they talk about if you don't like uh, uh, any wine they send you, they'll replace it. So I actually got two bottles in my last shipment. I got a six bottle shipment and two of those bottles were like, could could not get through even half the first class. They did not taste well at all. So I emailed them and said, hey, I didn't like these two. And within 24 hours, they had credited me money to my account for my next purchases. Like no fuss, no muss. Good. So it works. Get some Wink Wines. There you go. You heard it. You heard it. Well, tonight we discuss the difference between being smart and being wise. We talk about whether we are self-deluding ourselves when we set spiritual goals. Also, what do biblical texts that talk about caring for the stranger have to say to us today? And the gospel according to Trump. Inappropriate, disrespectful, or kind of funny and maybe spot on. We will discuss. My name is Brian Burkoff. I am the pastor of Holland UCC in Holland, Michigan, and author of the book, Pub Theology, Beer, Conversation, and God. And tonight I am drinking a Boulevard Brewing Heavy Lifting IPA. (laughs) 
And with us as usual, Ogan Holder and Tina Simmons. Welcome, guys. Thank you, thank you. I am a uh, Reverend Ogan Holder, Unity on the River here in, in Amesbury, Massachusetts. In case you don't know where that is, head north from Boston on 95, and just before you hit New Hampshire, that's where we are. So it is New England. It was a beautiful, balmy, summery day today, mid-80s. Took the Triumph motorcycle out for some riding on my way yeah. from work today. Oh, yeah. So in com commemoration of summer still going strong, I am drinking a Shipyard Summer Ale. Ooh. And this is a nice, light, tasty brew from uh, Shipyard Brewery is in Portland, Maine. So this is the uh, it's a New England, local New England brew. Fantastic. Nice. And I'm Tina Simmons. I'm the author of Xandrail, Being Human is Overrated as T. Griffin. And it is September is uh, harvest month. It's the kickoff for harvest for a lot of uh, different things, including hops and wine. Wine starts being harvested at the end of the month. So in honor of that, I'm actually going to drink a homemade beer what? That, that was made with the hops from our backyard, fresh hops from our backyard, and blackberries that we picked um, on one of the trails near our house. So it's a blackberry shandy, and it is the bomb. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Well played. Very well done. Now you're not just saying that because your boyfriend made it, are you? No, no. Trust me. I tell. Well, I would say I tell him when when his stuff isn't good, but any alcohol he makes is really good. We had this nectarine wine. We had this nectarine wine that was it was going to become sangria, and we just let it sit in the closet for a year because we didn't know what to do with it. It is so good now. <laughs> so Better with age. That's right. Well, uh, we kick things off tonight on uh, a very difficult kind of personal question. Uh, do you prefer crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Smooth. It depends on the application. Ah. Nope. Context. Context matters. It does. Cause... The only context is peanut butter. Smooth. If I want crunchy, <laughs> if I want, if I want to eat peanuts, I'm going to eat peanuts. Mm, I mean, wow. call peanut butter for a reason. Where else are you going to find chunks of stuff in butter? So I want my peanut butter smooth. There you go. Smooth. Tell us, tell us you when you like tell that. us when you need the crunchy, Tina. We need to redeem the crunchy here. Sandwiches. Oh so no. Sorry, yeah, did you ever put potato chips in your sandwiches? Oh, that sounds what? awesome! What? That sounds yeah. amazing. You put, what you, barbarian are you? <laughs> <laughs> I love this sandwich. I might go make one after. Dude, it's efficient. It's efficient because you eat potato chips with a sandwich, so you might as well just put them in. But um, back to the wait, peanut wait, butter. Question. Wait, wait. Peanut butter has its own crunchy. Then clarifying question: If you put the chips in the sandwich when you bite down, doesn't it crush the trip chips and crumbs fall in everywhere? No, because it's sticking together probably, with everything else. Probably delightful. It is It is very delightful. You would love it, Brian. Try it, Brian. I would love it. Brian, I want to report back next week about how much you think that is such a great idea. Because you I, I will. I will. And we and actually I, have... We actually have crunchy in the house, which we don't always. So. Oh, I wasn't talking the crunchy peanut butter. I meant the potato chips. <laughs> well, I know, but crunchy. Didn't you say crunchy with potato chips? Yeah, he's got crunchy potato chips in the house, like yeah. everybody does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyhow, and then smooth. I make a lot of smoothies with peanut butter in them, so that's when the smooth comes in handy. Well, there you go. Uh, how about you, Brian? 
Well, uh, I I tend to almost exclusively go for the smooth, and I have peanut butter almost every single day of my life uh, for breakfast on toast. So I like the toast nice and crunchy, and then that smooth application of peanut butter. If I have crunchy on crunchy toast, crunchy peanut butter on a sort of you know, it's just that, too that's much. That's just a, too much work in the morning, you know, too much work. <laughs> it feels like there's little pebbles in my peanut butter, like yes. some some foreign stuff in there uh because you know for me butter has to be nice spreadable and smooth that's the point. Oh, can you have a lot of rules preferences these are preferences, <laughs> these are preferences. texture matters with food you know texture does matter i agree Different. i agree so can't eat bananas. so we talked about we've talked about potato chips with peanut butter on a sandwich what what else have you eaten that might be unusual or what's the weirdest thing you've eaten with peanut butter aside from that prunes really that sounds good yeah, slice open the prune pick the seed out stuff it with peanut butter it it's weird but it's actually good that's right, right good for you and yeah. good for you it cleans you out <laughs> exactly it takes, <laughs> we were care of, it. <laughs> it takes care of whatever's ailing you exactly and leaves what isn't not... ailing you and leaves a nice coating of peanut butter behind <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> cmi that's it <laughs> I not me personally, but my son went through a phase where he all he wanted was peanut butter and ketchup sandwiches. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and being the good mom I am, I made them for him. And you didn't try it? Oh God, no! That sounds disgusting. Uh, I'm gonna try that out of curiosity. So well, you try not, that. <laughs> I wouldn't feed my kids something I wouldn't be prepared to eat myself. With well, he has know. different taste buds. That's true, but I got that. So I was with some friends from North Carol North Carolina recently, and several of them advocated peanut butter and mayonnaise. You know, it this so this might be a cultural thing, but I <laughs> I coming from Barbados, like mayonnaise was like reserved for potato salad. Like we didn't put <laughs> on anything else. Like it wasn't spread on a sandwich, nothing. Really? Not on but, a burger? No, no, nothing. So I've, I've not, I, I don't really have strong feelings towards mayonnaise unless it's like a potato salad or, you know, maybe even a macaroni salad. But, but yep. that's about it. Plus, I could see that. I, it just it, that's something that I just when they told me that I had like a visceral reaction, like peanut butter and mayonnaise. I think I just threw up a little. You know, I lived in North Carolina for a couple of years. They eat some weird stuff down there. That <laughs> could be, could be. So there's a local place here in Holland that has a uh, peanut butter and onion burger. Hmm. Ooh, I can get a word of that. Yeah, uh, me that, too. Kind of sounds good, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. I think I need to report back on that and the potato chip and peanut butter sandwich. But you got to yeah. put the potato chips in the burger, apparently, according to Tina. Put the potato <laughs> in there. Oh, yeah. Well, that's probably, that's probably good too. Do it all, all. All once. You know what? That's a great segue <laughs> to the next question of the difference between being smart and wise. Because <laughs> that idea is neither. Where's the third option right there? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that is our next question. What is the difference, if any, between being smart and being wise? I think the simple answer is um, being smart is having a vast base of knowledge. Being wise is what you do with it. Mm. All yeah, right. I, I, right. I, I like that. I think wisdom also 
wisdom implies um, experience accumulation. For me, smart more implies in the moment decision making. Yes, based on your sometimes your accumulation of knowledge, but also sometimes your instincts in the moment. So, so yeah, I think I think smart more of spontaneous and wise being more like over time accumulation. I know some wise people that aren't very old though. Ooh. Well, I mean, I, I, it's not about age. You can you can accumulate a lot of wisdom and experience in a short period of time when you're young, based on you know what you've done, what you've read, what you've researched, what's happened to you in life. So, so I didn't mean to imply uh, an age thing. If I said over time, that's that wasn't wholly accurate. That wasn't being smart <laughs> or wise. <laughs> Or why? So, third so option, I, Brian. We need the third option. Well, I'm kind of with Tina that uh, smart seems to, we think of that, or I think of that around knowledge and the ability to either retain knowledge or call it to mind quickly and sort of breadth of knowledge, like you know a lot of stuff or you can learn it quickly, which seems like sort of this often this kind of innate sort of God-given thing. Whereas wisdom, as you both have said, seems to be more about how do you apply that knowledge? How do, how do you then, what do you do with that? How do you live in the world? And that, as you both noted, takes time and experience and you, you accumulate that. And so that's not something you're necessarily born with, but something that you inherit or that you um, accumulate over life experiences, which you know could be a lot of years or a lot of experiences, perhaps in a short amount of time. But haven't, I mean, haven't you ever met anyone, and I'm thinking of somebody in particular, but haven't you ever met anyone that is like very young, and I'm talking like eight years old, and just very wise things come out of their mouth, like seems way beyond their years. Hmm. They don't have a lot of experience. It's just. I'd say that's, that's more the exception, but certainly can happen. Yeah, that's 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 more being smart than wise. I would say. Why? Why? What are they well because if they're that young, what are they what are they basing their response on? Like what's informed them to get to that place of basing a response? I I would think natural instinct. Yeah. So again, that for me that leads more that leans more towards being being smart. I think I think wisdom for me, wisdom always implies experience and accumulation. Eight-year-olds, unless we talk about playing blocks, don't really have a lot of accumulated wisdom. I think we define it differently then. Because I still think of knowledge as, you know, just application of information, like information. And wisdom is how you apply it to life and to other people. Like yes, my kid, I would agree with that. My, you know, my kid, your kids, I'm sure all our kids have said some really clever things. Some I'm not really saying clever. Insightful things that mm -hmm. would normally uh, attribute to, I guess, older people. That might, that might also, that might also be a reflection of the company we keep as adults. I'm just going to throw that out there. But, <laughs> but, but, um, I don't, I don't know that I would ascribe the word wisdom when something like especially in the context of like a six seven eight year old when they say something particularly yeah beautiful. i don't know or when they make better decisions than the adults around them 
Well, I mean, children have sort of a um, simplicity about them, right? They don't have the the baggage that we get as we age and experience life, which not which doesn't always lead to wisdom, right? So, some wisdom might be unlearning some of the things we've learned as adults, and so kids maybe have, on occasion will manifest, you know, what seems like wisdom, but it's almost just this like innate simplicity. Um, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Broken a broken clock is right twice a day. I mean, they're gonna. <laughs> okay, that's not quite what I meant. Yeah. But, but but wisdom also implies. But here's the other thing: wisdom, even smarts, but wisdom also implies being able to consistently make uh, the the more informed choice, the smarter choices, the wiser choices. Kids. Oh, can can you, you know, use smarter to define wise, or does that like you? Wisdom, an accumulation of smart. You get buzzed on $25,000 pyramid right there. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, yes, kids will sometimes say some really insightful, um, to the point things. But, you know, when you look at them consistently over their like nine, first nine years of existence, I think the ratio of really smart, insightful, or even wise things kind of is a little bit lower than the other stuff. You know what I'm saying? No. I, I, yeah, um, go ahead, Tina. I, I, I know what you're saying. I just don't necessarily agree. I, I think some wisdom doesn't happen through experience. Like you said, Brian, like sometimes the longer we are on this earth, the less wise we become, you know, it's, and I don't think wisdom is a consistency. Like, well, yeah, I guess it is. The, yeah, okay. I'll agree with that part of your statement that it's, it's consistency. Um, um, like over it's not like a moment it's a consistency of your personality your thought processes and whatnot i like seeing you debate yourself that was very entertaining it happens all the time all the time uh, i usually keep it inside that, deserve, <laughs> that deserves a golf clap if my son will work there we go golf clap there we go <laughs> oh my word i got sound effects it's on now oh look out look out world so someone mentioned at my uh, local pub theology gathering last night that um, that smart being smart doesn't have any sort of moral value or content. It's just kind of the ability to know information. And so it's not necessarily good or bad. Whereas wisdom seems to have uh, a moral aspect to it. You know what I mean? You make a choice that has impact in the world for good or ill. Um, I, I'm not sure what I think about that. I feel like that's onto something because when we think about application, it's about, okay, now I'm living out something, right? I'm taking the knowledge that I have and now I'm making decisions that impact other people in the world around me. And if I do that in a way that's beneficial to myself and others in the earth, then we, we call that wisdom and positive morally. If I don't do that, we might call it, you know, you might be smart, but do some very evil things. I don't know, what we would, that'd be like an anti-wisdom. I don't know, do we have a word for that? Stupidity? Um, uh, I, no, I don't ig think- Ignorance, stupidity. ignorance maybe. Well, here's my yeah, issue. But I, I, you might be informed, you might be very informed and in doing it intentionally though. So it doesn't feel like ignorance to me. That, yeah, that's true. I see your point there. I, right. I like the I like the sentiment behind it, but but what comes up for me is the point that morality is relative. Morality is relative to who the group of people are. Well, sure, but would there 
to to when in history we existed. Uh, yes. So, so one can argue that depending on who you are now and what your beliefs are, your morality is going to be different. So you might say that what I'm doing is wise and moral, and another group of my, people might be saying that's neither wise nor moral. I, mm, well, I don't maybe, agree with you. But I think we're talking about in a given context in which we, so including you know the context that we're in and in which I'm operating, something gets classified as a wise or moral choice. So yes, we could always like change this place where we're standing from and go a thousand years ago or a thousand years forward or standing on you know Mars, but that just makes things a little complicated. So let's just you know. So here, let's just stick with with the uh, the the context in which you're operating. If it's deemed wise, okay. All right. Let's fast forward to that's a positive thing. Let's fast forward then to because uh, we said we might talk about like immigration. Sure. Right. So let's fast forward to that. One can make the argument, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. One can make the argument that when it comes to immigration and ex accepting everyone who comes in, or you know is a moral thing to do. You know, we open our doors, we welcome, we love it. But some could also argue that accepting everyone and putting this strain on already limited resources and then maybe all everyone suffers a little bit more might not be necessarily a moral thing to do. So and we can that's what I'm saying, we can argue morality on both sides of an issue. Morality is contextual. And for the okay. record and for the record, I'm just saying, you know, my point of view is we take it, we take people in who need it and then we figure it out later. Okay, but I, I don't, you're talking morality. And I think there is a difference between wisdom and morality. Wisdom sits back and takes it all in and comes up with the best choice. And I, I think wisdom is timeless. I don't agree with you that something might be wise now and not a different time. I think, I think wisdom is timeless whether we see it in the moment or not. I mean, wisdom can be extremely unpopular. True, very true. I, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with, with uh, the morality piece and the, and the sort of relative, relativity that Ogan is approaching it with. I, I do agree that there is an element of that, certainly, but there's also things that, in a given culture or context, that we kind of agree to uh, as being more moral or less moral so it's not just totally up for grabs and well i think killing children is the beautiful thing but in another culture that's not i mean right yeah i don't i don't think it's wide open is what i'm trying to say let's not take that song by out of context <laughs> yes <laughs> so here's another example i'm currently uh having this facebook debate with somebody you know over climate change and the validity of it okay. and you know, people are saying, you know, so we have people coming out saying now climate change is like a national security issue. And right. it's even now a moral, a, a moral issue, because if we do nothing and we don't pay attention to, right. then we are, we are endangering ourselves. We're putting ourselves at danger, at risk, putting lives mm -hmm. at risk. So it's a, it's a moral issue. Now, others can say, well, where's the morality in dictating from a government perspective, dictating what people should and shouldn't do. Like, um, again, how how is trashing your own 
earth, your own food source, your own air. How is that wise? That is an in the moment, I don't want to change what I'm doing thing. Exactly. Please, please mandate away and increase the mandates or we're all going to die. And, or at least, but, you know, okay. but now, I'm, generations I'm, in the near term. I'm, I'm, I'm again, not... <laughs> I'm talking about the morality. I'm talking about the morality argument. Brian raised a question of how wisdom is connected to morality. So I'm saying yes, it's unwise to trash your planet, but that's not necessarily a moral issue, is it? What? How yes, is it not? Because you're impacting other life forms, humans, and everything else on this planet. That is, if that's not a moral, moral, what is? Yeah. Moral, if that doesn't have moral consequences, I don't know what does. Right? Mortal as well. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I mean, I get that there's a difference of opinion, right? And some right. are going to say, A, I don't believe in climate change, or B, I do believe in it, but the government can't tell me how we should live in response to it. Okay. Those are certainly, you know, debates that are being had. I think that the questioning whether it exists or is real, you know, I think you're standing on pretty thin ground, no, no, scientifically I, speaking. I, but how I, to respond? That takes wisdom. It does. It does. And when it comes to morality, there's a lot of gray area. Like, you know, there's some things that are clearly moral or amoral, but there, when it comes to morality, there is some gray area. It's that, it's that age old question. Is murder moral? No, it's not. But if I am going to kill someone in defense of my child, Right. Is that okay? Is stealing or because moral? my country sends me to war. Yeah. Is stealing moral? No. But if I'm going to steal a, a bread because my child is starving, is the last piece of food there that I can find? Is did I, you know? So again, we always have those ethical moral dilemmas. So that's what I mean by morality being, you know, subjective, contextual, and and the So so I think that's a danger of connecting wisdom to to morality. Because I think I think when we think about wisdom as to Tina's point, you know, the application of accumulated knowledge and experiences, you know, trying to decide if that's moral or not, it's, it, it gets tricky based on context, based on opinions, based on what's moral now that wasn't moral 50 years ago, 100 years ago. We don't know what morality is going to be considered yeah, maybe now. but but doesn't it seem that i agree they're not identical but doesn't it seem to correlate that the wiser you are or the wiser decisions you make the the higher the likelihood are, is that you're acting in a more moral way yes sure yes absolutely <laughs> and, and back to your back to your starving Boom. okay if you steal bread to feed to your starving child I, you know, I don't think that's a moral issue. If you steal bread from another starving child to give to your child, that's a moral. You know what I mean? Like, there's, I don't think that it's as gray as you think it is. Like, if if you're stealing bread from somebody who has more than enough, you well, know, no, Robin Hood. It, it well, you just made it gray because now you've just established conditions where stealing is okay. Where generally we say stealing is an is an amoral act, an immoral act. Is it amoral or immoral? Uh, no, immoral. Immoral, right. Amoral would be there is, it doesn't have a moral consequence. Right. Okay. So immoral. And we say the same thing about murder. Murder is immoral, but it's okay when we, you know, go to war over a cause to kill each other. When we say no, nope. disagree. Still immoral. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Is it though? According to Brian, it it's you know it's yes, it is. But no I will one say does. nearly every war I can remember, uh, it's there's a lot of immorality happening. Yeah, yeah. and lack and of wisdom. The gray area and a lack of wisdom. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Here we are. You know, um, punishing, killing people within our society who've committed murders, but yet we're sending our troops out to murder other people. Right. That you know they they're they're. Pr- Saving our peace and and to this is not us yeah and this is not yeah. a disparagement against the armed forces in any way. No, no, understood, understood. I'm just using the example of you know now murder is now a contextual moral thing. So it is it is very gray, and we got to rationalize when we say things that are usually now immoral. We got to now make moral. We got to make a moral case for it. Well, maybe that's where the wisdom comes in is knowing the difference. Or being able to eloquently state your case <laughs> so that you can do the moral thing and make it moral. Yeah, I don't know. So, so on Facebook, uh, Pam says, smart is knowing facts. Wise is knowing what to do with the facts. Which kind of sounds like how Tina started us off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I agree with that. I agree. I agree. With Pam. Way to go, Pam. Way to go, Pam. Five stars for Pam. Thank you for jumping in there boy bringing in that whole morality element is so interesting and okay and then i was gonna say i'm hoping there's a follow-up to that because you just kind of like well, no, Brian, i mean i just he's talking I, about I, stuff I, in his head now <laughs> well, i'm trying to think of where to go i mean i just really appreciated trying to wrestle through that um but then i was going to go back to the original question and and ask is are, is smart something that is innate and you're born with it or you're not, or you're born, I, I should say you're born with degrees of it because we all have smarts, but we, I think we agree that some people seem to exhibit more of what we might call smarts or intelligence than others. Whereas wisdom is something that we simply, as we all noted, perhaps need time Although Tina was pushing back against that. Again, again, I think with wisdom, it's the capacity. Like people can learn their whole lives and never apply it and you know what I mean? And not make wise choices when they're eight years old. Agreed. So yeah. That's true. And is that innate or is that they just didn't learn? I mean I, I think I think I think I think there's never a simple answer here. There are too many factors involved. I mean, genetics, nature versus nurture. Uh, you know, what examples were set before you, what you're willing to go learn, how much out of your box are you willing to get versus stay in your box? Like, I think there are too many factors at hand to to simplify it, simplify it in terms of, you know, two or three different labels. It's a, it's a complex thing. Yeah. So uh, someone mentioned this in our group last night as well, that uh, Howard Gardner back in the 80s identified nine types of intelligence which is helpful um musical intelligence um so having to do with sound logical mathematical intelligence existential intelligence or life smarts interpersonal smarts um bodily kinesthetic so sort of yeah body wisdom uh, there i go throwing wisdom into intelligence um (laughs) linguistic intelligence so some people just have a a thing with language and with words where it's just like you 
you know, they could speak five languages without thinking about it. And for others of us, that feels like a huge challenge, even if we're smart in other ways, right? In some of these other ways. So I think that's also an interesting thing to to bring into the conversation. And I think I, I'm glad that that was sort of um, articulated and described because I think in our educational system, it's so easy to box in or celebrate certain intelligences as simply being smart, especially around mathematical, um, logical stuff. But if someone has this sort of body kinesthetic wisdom, we often classify them as ADD or they can't sit still or, mm -hmm. you know, they can't be a student because they can't sit in their seat for two hours without moving or even musical intelligence. You know, these are real intelligences that I think, how do we address that when we think about kids and education? Well, you, you, you have to take a multidisciplinary approach when you're in the classroom or teaching. So you, you, you got to teach with different modalities and account for them. So if you're a teacher and you're teaching a lesson, you know, it's not just about, you know, rote memorization and regurgitation. It's about, you know, how, how else can I present this information? Can I present it in, in song or rhyme or rap? Can, you know, is there something visually I can show these kids? Um, what about movement? Uh, this is, this is why it's, um, that when, when, you know, education funds are being cut and, and the arts disciplines are being taken out of schools that, you know, it, it, it hurts learning all around because yeah. the information is not coming in, in the various, uh, modalities. Well, and, and I, I think like, I don't work in the education system. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to profess that I know how it, it can be fixed. However, um, I do have to say that I, I think a lot of it comes with having smaller classes and the teachers having intimate relationships with the kids to know exactly what Ogan's saying, how they learn. Like my son Spencer was in a public school up until second grade and they they were pushing me to put him on ADHD medicine and my doctor was like absolutely not he's a five-year-old boy I'm not going to do that to him he's right. five yeah right and um so I I ended up putting him in a charter school within one year all all his teacher had to do was let him stand up to do his work to stand up mm. and and just be able to to be on his feet and move around a little bit and he was one of her best students that year i if i talked to her she'd probably tell you he was her best student that year and then every once in a while because you're talking third graders they'd all get rammy she'd take them out in the hallway and do yoga with them you know and it's it's just yeah, nice. knowing your kids and being able to calm them down where you're not focused on oh my gosh we have to get this curriculum or i'm gonna lose my job or everyone has to stay in their seat because that's what a proper classroom looks like yeah yeah and and yes yes i agree with everything you just said and that is a really that is a really wise teacher <laughs> um and i don't think it's so much about uh, i just want to make the point i don't think it's so much about public versus charter because i know public school teachers who do stuff like that and i know charter school teachers who do not um so it's absolutely right. yeah, absolutely yeah that's, yeah i'm not saying that it's just this right. different school helped him but that's a right. great example of wisdom versus just you know yeah knowledge, teaching knowledge yeah knowledge smarts yeah um, realizing well, that you have a multiplicity of kids and issues how how can we best how can how can we best address the individual needs in a group setting which is ridiculously hard like you, you know you just have to be creative about it like his his fifth grade teacher then they were learning about um 
they were they were learning about the uh, early democracy and she gave them each roles and social classes and she had little things like she favored some of them and like they they all learned um they learned by interacting as parts of this of our society back in the colonial days you know mm -hmm. like and they learned so much more than if they would have just sat and read the book so yes that smart and wise is like people who are steeped in knowledge of the bible but then unwisely say you know this is literally true. I shouldn't yeah. think. And yeah, they're touting, exactly. they're touting it, but exactly. they're touting it, but they're not living it. Yeah. All right. So maybe that's a good a good uh, segue to our next question, which is a quote from Soren Kierkegaard, who allegedly wrote, uh, "Human beings invent spiritual goals that encourage them to do what they were going to do anyway, to satisfy their own self centered desires." And the God they are thinking about always turns out to be a creature of their own imagination designed to support their own sense of importance or virtue. Wow. Pretty provocative. And there's sort of a couple things going on there, but how does that strike you? That's a great paradoxical statement because I agree with it wholeheartedly and he's totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. What? Go ahead. You got to unpack that a little. <laughs> So I, I agree, I agree that, that yes, about the whole uh, um, God being the creature of their own imagination, because oftentimes when we, when we consider God, it's like, are we going to, are we going to think about God as loving, accepting? Are we going to think of God as vengeful, you know, hateful, discriminatory God? So we, we, we imagine the God we want to, put out there and then we see ourselves the same way. So there is some imagination piece. And ultimately there's also that piece about um, it, it becoming about us in terms of improving our lives and making our lives more fulfilling. There is a self-interested piece to it. And, and the, 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 on the far end of the spectrum example of this is prosperity gospel stuff, which is all about, you know, getting rich because God wants you to be rich. So there's that element. So from that point of view, I agree with it. Now, here's the where I don't agree with it is that when one tends to go down the spiritual path, one tends to become more altruistic. One tends to make that me more into us and we and be more inclusion based. So there is a flip side to that as well so there you go the paradox mm. thank you very much mm. didn't think i could unpack that did you there you all, go neatly. Mm. man celebrate with a uh, peanut butter and potato chip sandwich my friend i think i have stumped tina poor no i'm trying to figure out how nowhere to go with this i'm trying to figure out how that that's disagreeing with the statement I was disagreeing with the statement. Yeah. Because he talks about satisfy their own self-centered desires. When we're altruistic, it's not about us. It's not about self-centeredness. Are you sure? It can be. It can be. <laughs> no, Are I'm you sure? sure? Because um I to me it feels it's pretty like, good to be altruistic. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Okay, so I was just okay. You so feel good about yourself because you're one with everyone and you're helping everyone. And can I tell you? That's not self-centeredness. That's actually a product of biology. I'm just reading um, about this. So so my last my, I'm I'm reading the Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. It's a great book, and there's also a lot of like scientific studies. When we do good things for other people, the the parts of our brain that get fired up and release hormones and endorphins 
are the same parts that get fired up like when we um, receive gifts or when we eat chocolate or uh, stuff like that. Now, so so we do feel good because of it. But more often than not, when we do something, when we are altruistic, we're doing it from a sense of compassion. We are sympathetic to another person's um, needs and wants, and we put them before ours. So we go out of our way to help them. Because it makes us feel good. But you're no, you're missing the point. We feel good because we do it. We don't always do it because we feel good. How can you separate the two, Brian? Well, yeah, that that that's hard to say. It's hard to untangle all the motivations. So, so there, I will but... I will say that yes, we do we do get in the cycle of feeling good about it, and we do it. But I think that the people I think that when you ask yourself when you've done the good altruistic things in your life, it wasn't because you felt good about what you were gonna do and then do it. You did it because you had the sense of empathy, sympathy, compassion. You did it and you felt good about it. Because you knew you'd feel good about it. Subconsciously, so you, you knew saying, if you did it, you'd me, feel good about it. So let me ask you a question. So you're saying that huh. if you aren't going to feel good about being compassionate and kind, you wouldn't do it? No. That's why some people aren't compassionate and kind. I'm talking about you personally. I, you... I can't say that because I know I'm going to feel good about being nice to people. That's how I am. It's how I'm wired. Okay. So I can't I, say uh, if, if I felt otherwise how, what I would do. So you're saying oh, that's the only reason you do it? You're, no, I'm not saying that's the only reason. I'm saying there's a possibility that this guy's right and we're biologically wired to be selfish. We are not. And I'll, here, here's why. Ooh. Here's why. Because Ooh. research after research has shown that interdependency and codependency has been hardwired into us for our survival from the beginning. For our Co survival. Co did you just say? Whoa, did you say? Did you say codependency? No, 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 no. Co co cooperation. Sorry, an interdependency. Okay. Now, here's okay. the other piece about it. Here's the other piece about it. So this is like one of those chicken and the egg questions, which came first. How did you know you were gonna feel good by doing something by doing something kind to somebody else? You didn't the first time. You did something nice for somebody, you felt good. And that's how you learned about it. Yes, yeah. but okay, there's so let's no go back. You just there's no way you knew you were going to feel good about doing nice for somebody until you did it. Maybe there's the no way there's no way when I was, you know, a toddler, I knew I'd feel I was gonna feel bad if I hurt somebody either. So I hurt them to find out how I'd feel. Yeah, yeah but okay. To find out you hurt them and found out. Those are two different things. But you just said oh. it's hardwired into us. So that means at a sort of genetic uh subconscious level i may be wired to do certain things and so but that's my, point. my survival which is selfish yes we're all trying to survive that's why we're interdependent that's why we depend on each other because we're trying to survive and survival is a selfish thing yes even if it appears altruistic yes so you're saying so you just don't want, Ogan, so, go wait. go to your mirror tonight and look in the mirror and say, I am selfish. I am selfish because <laughs> I feel like you just you don't want to admit that it's possible. That I'm selfish? He's, he's just gonna yeah. look in the mirror and say, What a handsome damn, what a handsome guy. <laughs> I am the Why nicest person well. in the world. <laughs> Why, you know me too well. 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 But again, I think we need 
again with the chicken and the egg i think we 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 need to make a distinction because here here's here's what i know about myself and i would garner this about you too as well mm -hmm. if you knew that helping someone in need was not gonna like there was there was you weren't feeling good about it let's say it was someone who was like i don't know your, your mortal enemy or someone who disagreed with you on all aspects of beliefs and philosophies and so on, but you saw them injured, you know, I think you'd still help them and you would be, you might be conflicted about it. You might go like, Oh, like, oh I wouldn't be conflicted about it. I would still help them, but that doesn't mean I'm not doing it because I'm going to feel good about helping them. Okay. I, and I'm not saying that, that human beings are innately selfish, horrible, creature and I'm, I'm not associating sure selfish with horrible <laughs> i'm saying it's a possibility ogan i mean it's a biological possibility oh. that that's that's how we're oh of course it of, of course it's a possibility that there are selfish people there who do things for selfish motivation i'm not i'm not saying that but what i'm no. what i'm simply what i'm simply saying is that let's not conf let's not conflate causality with 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 the Quake. outcome or the reaction outcome right right yeah, it, it's really tricky it is really tricky so what about this notion that people invent spiritual goals that encourage them to do what they were going to do anyway you know what i mean like i feel god calling me to um get to know this person over coffee but really i just want to go hang out at that place or i just want to Get to know this person for selfish reasons or you know i don't know uh, do you, is there something to that that people will s say they're going to do something or name it as here's a discipline or a goal of mine and call it spiritual but it's really that's not what it's about is that possible yeah yeah um the i i gave an example the prosperity gospel um and 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 teachings like that that are geared towards like accumulation of wealth and riches you know we we can look at the the proponents of prosperity gospel who are just like lavishly rich and they're making it a spiritual thing they're saying you know god wants you to be rich so they make it into this spiritual goal when really you know, if you want to go and structure a business and you make a lot of money, you can do that. It's not about. But it's a way to do it without feeling guilty in our Puritan society. Exactly. It's a way to feel mm. like you're doing something, you know, moral and religious and spiritual and all that. Um, and I'm saying that I'm saying this on the tail end of teaching an abundance class myself. But again, yeah. but again, the abundance class that I teach is not focused on money at all. It's it's focused on fulfillment in all areas of life relationships sure. peace of mind um all those kinds of things so it's for so so you can you can make it uh, a spiritual slash religious goal um and and kind of get lost in the weeds like along the way well and i i, I know ogan's gonna argue with me on this one but um anybody says god wants me to totally feels like a justification to me Oh no, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree with you. God doesn't want anything. How can yeah. Oh, hey, exactly. Exactly. That's the unity minister speaking. How can all but, that wants want anything? Yeah. yeah. Like, like I think you know, God doesn't like you said. God doesn't want anything. But if if we're 
on the path that we're supposed to be or that is in our best interest, we're going to get nudges, you know, we're going to get synchronicities in our lives and whatnot. I don't think there's, and, and, you know, we may have premonitions or visions or whatever, but I don't think like we have to justify it to other people. And what, and when we get those things, they mean what we, what we say they mean. I don't, uh, uh, nothing has inherent meaning. Everything only has the meaning we give to it. So if we want to, so we can give it the meaning that God wants us to, but, but then we've just personalized and uh, anthropomorphized God as this being that lacks something and therefore wants something. And if God is all there is, there is no lack. What, what is there? How can God want? Yeah. What do you, what do you get the God who doesn't want anything? (laughs) (laughs) How Christmas. uh, You give him your heart. Oh, oh. <laughs> Brian, I think that's the show title. When you get the project, you don't want anything. Man, man. So what if I had a spiritual goal of uh, meeting new people and having deep conversations about oh, faith and life and also oh. uh, drinking local good craft beer? You know, could I could I pull that off? How is that a spiritual uh, yeah. goal? He's, see, you're promoting your business. <laughs> How could it not be a spiritual goal to, to meet? people and create a space for connect deep connection it's something you you're lacking in your life in your 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 um it's a personal goal <laughs> yeah it's a personal goal but not that's not a spiritual goal so so all right so okay. i'll play along so for me to turn that into a, a spiritual goal i would speak of of oneness and connectivity so you know we're oh so it's on the wording and all of a yeah, sudden, it's I was all, talking about connecting with people of different we're perspectives. We're manifesting the oneness that is God when we get together. You know. So if you're good at spinning it, then you can have spiritual goals. Yeah, then you're set. That, that is a lot. Of, spiritual goals are really about framing. <laughs> you know, spinning the right way. <sighs> See, now that's why, again, agree with regard <laughs> statement. But on the flip side, yes. again, here's, here's the paradox. They're... I think um, so. So we we consider when we speak of God, we speak of words like peace. We speak of words like love. I mean, those are things we want to experience in our life. We can argue whether we want to do it selfishly or not, but I think we want to do it because it makes us happier people. I don't think it's selfish to be happy. Um, but my point is, my point is, um, if I want a life that is free of stress, I can. I can I can speak of wanting to be that embodiment of God's peace. So it, mm. we can we can say it is a spiritual goal that we are um, trying to achieve, knowing that it will have some nice rich human benefits for us as well. But is it a spiritual goal because God wants you to do it, or because no, no, you no, no, just no, want no. to do it? No, 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 no. So but, why but, isn't it a personal goal then? So that's spiritual. I'm not disagreeing with you. That's what I'm saying. It is. I want to be at peace. So that is a like a human personal goal. I want. I don't want to be stressed out all the time. I want inner peace. So yeah, there are other ways I can do that outside of the context of religion and spirituality, and there are ways I can do that within the context of religion and spirituality. This is like I said, why I agree with him at that point about inventing spiritual goals to do what we would have done anyways but if we put it in the context of religion and spirituality i don't think there's anything wrong with that either i think so 
Go ahead. So John on Facebook says, uh, Mother Teresa and many others are not serving for the possibility to feel good for themselves. You don't think Mother Teresa felt good about how she lived her life? Oh no, she had some dark. She had some dark times. Got to read her. Got to read her biography. Man. She did have dark times, but she went through. I don't know some... if it's about the serving so much as a, a sort of a sense that, or a lack of sense of God's presence. But the servant was supposed to be about God's presence, being God's presence, and feeling God. Well, I think it was about the right thing to do, and feeling good doing it. <laughs> I, I want to. I want to know. I want to know why everybody everybody gets so um, emotionally charged when faced with the possibility that they might be selfish. So, so how do you define selfish? Let's talk about that. Let's be clear about our definitions here, because we're throwing this word around. What do you mean when you say selfish? Care, caring about yourself. Okay, I don't. That's not how I use the word selfish. Okay. okay, then define the word selfish for me. So for me, selfish implies greed. When the word selfish okay. is used, the implication is greed. Mm -hmm. I don't believe taking care of myself is greedy. I got to okay. take care of myself first before I can take care of anybody else. That's, you know, you can only love enough as much as you love yourself. All care begins with self-care. However, you just said earlier that, now, that giving, giving up stuff or, or making yourself suffer to help others is part of being one. And so, but, but what I'm saying is now, if... If I, if I, here's where the greed part comes in, and, and you alluded to it earlier. If I take from another to satisfy my needs, and another suffers along the way from me meeting uh, my needs for care, then that's greed. That's where the selfishness okay. comes in. So that's the distinction for me. Okay. So, so, let, so let's not call it selfish or self care, self interest. Okay. Does does that have less of a I want to jump off this train <laughs> effect with you if I say it's in in your self interest? Maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, the word, the word I'm just... selfish. We tend to just have a negative connotation to it, but there are many things, positive things we do that do have a self interest or what we might call a selfish motivation, but they also happen to have good outcomes for others. Those aren't, you know, mutually exclusive things. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So, all right. So, so I'm going to leave it there. So if you use self-interest, oh, she's not going to leave it there. Nope, uh, no, I'm just saying, if you if you replace the word selfish with self-interest, I think we'd have a whole different conversation. That could be. They don't mean the same thing, though. And and uh, that, that's what I'm saying. Just, like this, the Venn diagram with a big overlap. Yeah, you just can't replace one word with another. I don't think. Because, well, maybe because again, that's... selfish implies uh, like I'm, moral and wisdom. If, no, selfish <laughs> again implies greed. If you look up the dictionary, I'm gonna look up. Nice. I want nice. the dictionary definition. All right, Brian, you you have one more thing you want to talk about. Definitely. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, you just go be selfish, and I'm gonna self <laughs> selfishly take these last five. No. Um, so our last our last topic, uh, someone rewrote the entire Gospel of Matthew, making Jesus sound a little bit like Donald Trump, and they called it the Gospel according to Trump, uh, which, by the way, if you're listening live or a hot off the press to our podcast, I think it's free today and tomorrow, the Kindle version at least. But here's an example uh, from 
Gospel of Trump, chapter 22, where uh, someone asked Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the possessions the Lord your God has given you with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall desire your neighbor's possessions for yourself, the whole law and the prophets, that is prophets with an F, Nice. depend on these two commands. <laughs> I feel like there should be like a tremendous at the end of that or something, or believe me. Yeah. So is it, so is it, is it completely inappropriate and um, disrespectful to. Brian, are you saying disrespectful to our president or disrespectful to the gospel? I'll start start over. So yeah, the latter. Is it, is it a disrespectful and inappropriate uh, thing to do toward Holy scripture to sort of rewrite it in a sort of comedic way? I'm, I'm not worried about disrespecting uh, the other president. I'll just get that out there. <laughs> no, I don't think it's disrespectful at at all. I think it's I think it's quite hilarious. Um, props to whoever wrote that. Who wrote that, by the way? Uh, Gene Godot. Gene Godot. Yes. No. I think I think um, the only the the reason that we're asking if it's disrespectful to the Bible is because we're making the Bible into something that it's not. Um, I mean, the, the Bible is not, it's not, it's, it's a collection of stories. It's a collection of, um, not even purely historical events, anecdotes, write-ins that are, you know, one group of people's or certain group of people's, um, understanding about God and their relationship to God. We've, we've made it into this, we've made it into this holy, like untouchable thing that we can't. We've made it sacred. Human beings have made it sacred. And I think if we can make something sacred, we can also make it humorous. We can play around with it. Um, you know, there have been there have been many fictional adaptations about the life of Jesus. Um, right. my, my favorite is uh, Lamb. Have you guys read Lamb, the Gospel According to Biff? No, uh, but you told me to. I have heard of this. Oh, my God. It's on my yeah. list. It is hilarious. It is hilarious. Um, and one, some could argue sacrilegious because you know i want you know jesus is trying to figure out who he is his mother says i have no idea go find those men who visited you at your birth so jesus heads east he finds the magi picks up all kind of eastern philosophy and brings it back and he's traveling with uh levi nicknamed biff who says to him like you can't walk in to israel you know speaking eastern philosophy you gotta you gotta repackage it you gotta rebrand it so that it fits into our culture and thinking. And that's what Jesus did. So it's just totally fictionalized account on the theory that, you know, in those missing marketing. years, <laughs> those missing years, Jesus went to India and, and learned marketing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, you know, so no. So there's, so there's an example. So you would yeah. say not not disrespectful or inappropriate. No, we got we gotta we gotta be able to we gotta be able to have a bigger sense of humor about these things. Well and and um Another on that line is that would also mean that the red tent is disrespectful to the, the gospel. And if you've ever read that, that's, oh, yeah, it's, it's from the 12 tribes of, of is, um, Israel. It's from the daughter's perspective, yeah. the 12 sons. It's from the daughter's perspective. So to me, that's not disrespectful to the Bible. That's giving us another possible view from a female's you know, perspective because it wasn't allowed back then. And we also got to remember, there's there's probably more fiction in the Bible than nonfiction. So you know. So the I more the more the it. merrier, you'd say. <laughs> well, you know, we have to write things to to 
make sense of what's going on in our lives today and in our society today. And take life less seriously. Like, come on. That too. That too. Yeah, we got to laugh more. By the way, we're going to talk more about the selfish thing in the post show for a little bit because I looked at the. Uh, we are. Oh, so did I. <laughs> so there we go. Wait, wait. Talk about what? selfish pay attention man oh i know you cut out for a second <laughs> oh so from the back cover it says you have heard it said that no one can serve two masters but i tell you you can serve both god and wealth because they are one and the same Boom, bam. wow yikes, yikes. Wow, that's interesting so, ouch gospel according to trump so there you there you have it um any any uh final word friends uh we've talked smarts and wisdom we've talked crunchy or smooth we've talked spiritual goals what do you uh, think yeah i would i would end by saying um self-care is not selfishness i'm just gonna put that out there <laughs> I didn't say Ooh, it goes right to it stay tuned to the post show <laughs> that topic is hot yeah, yeah. put that up there <laughs> But seriously, though, yes, take do, do, do take care of yourselves. Do love yourself. Be kind and compassionate to yourself because that's the only way you can be to other people. And we all need more kindness and compassion in the world. And it starts with yourself. Even if it makes you feel good. Especially <laughs> because it makes you feel good. Right, Tina? Yeah, because, he says. Oh, wow. What do you think, Tina? Any uh, final? Nope. Wait for the after show. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's the difference between smart and wise. That was very wise. Very wise. I'll take smart. I'm going to be smart. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. We got a smart ass, at least. Always looking for more wisdom. There you go. Well, um, oh, where did it go? I had our top listeners. So, top cities. Uh, listening just want to give a shout out so thank you friends for tuning in to pub theology live a shout out to some of our top uh 10 towns listening we had uh detroit michigan detroit. we had new orleans detroit we had new orleans nice. we had washington dc we had phoenix arizona bloomington indiana among others and at number one everybody's favorite town of holland michigan so look nice got, very got cool some, go brian got some local listeners here in the mitten state love it but thank you friends for you've been, tuning you've been, in you've been making christy catch up over the summer to listen to some episodes. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah exactly and don't forget uh you can listen anytime to our show on soundcloud stitcher or itunes uh please Give us a, uh, a shout out or a rating on iTunes, or if you like an episode, man, post it to your timeline on Facebook, tweet it out, retweet our tweets. We love that. If you'd like to find a conversation like this in your own town, please visit pubtheology.com slash directory. And if there's not one on the map near you, you can find resources to start your own. And thank you again to our sponsors, Wink Wine Club, who you'll find at trywink.com slash pt live and that's wink with a c and casual priest who you'll find at casualpriest.com so until next time friends drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing <laughs>
extra left in the can. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no more heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So I see your point because it does say devoted to or caring only for oneself, concerned primarily with one's own interests, benefit, welfare, regardless of others. That's the part that gets me is the regardless of others. Yeah, that's, um, the, that's the greed part for me. But, when I say but the, what I mean. But the self-interest uh, has a very similar definition. It says regard for one's own interest or advantage, especially with disregard for others. But there's a second definition, which is what I was referring to, is personal interest or advantage. I don't, we're emotional creatures first. And I, I just don't think we do anything that um, we're, we're not emotionally invested. I'm not going to say that that doesn't make us feel good. I'm going to say that we're not emotionally invested in. Either it feels familiar to us. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say though, but we have the ability to choose. Some of, us oh, yeah. do, some of us don't. And I think that's the difference. I think that's what separates us from all the other animals and on, on the planet. We, we have a prefrontal cortex. We can choose to act above our own self-interest. That's what for me, altruism is. But it the, still makes you feel good. Yeah. But you but again, the it's not i'm not just doing it because it makes me feel good it makes me feel good because i do it and those are not the same thing it really really isn't the same thing because at some point without knowing it would make me feel good whether i was two or 12 or 20 without knowing it would make me feel good i made the choice to act outside myself i made the choice to act above my own self-interest to help somebody else out. And lo and behold, I felt good about it. I didn't know that was going to happen. And then I, yes, found that out and go, oh, this feels good. Now, the reverse is true. There are times we know sometimes being altruistic will make us feel good, but we still don't do it because whatever reason, we're afraid, we feel we don't have enough to give, or we just outright selfish. But but we go against that feeling. So that's for me, that's why that feeling about the, the feeling good isn't isn't for me necessarily the, the that is the point. The point or the or the motivator. Because right. if it was, everybody would do it because we want to feel good. Who doesn't want to feel good? Okay. Why, but why don't we all do good things and be compassionate and kind? Because the fear beside the point. That's the point I'm making. So, so fear is what makes us selfish? So, I'm, But no, I'm saying, well, that's part of it. But I'm saying the altruism isn't necessarily motivated by the feeling good. Otherwise, we'd have more of it. Because who doesn't want to? Mm, that's good. a good point. Okay. So, so, so some of us are fortunate enough to realize we're going to feel good by being altruistic and, and being compassionate and kind. And we do it because we want to be in that feeling good cycle. Some of us do it regardless of if we're going to feel good or not, because it's the right slash moral thing to do. And some of us, regardless of it being the right moral thing to do, or we know we're going to feel good, we choose not to do it. So that's why I say we yeah. do good and we feel good, not because, not we do good because we feel good for doing it. And it, it's, it's interesting or perhaps ironic that when we do something that seems purely selfish or purely self-interest led, we end up feeling less fulfilled in the end than when we do something that is more altruistic, more outward focused, more bringing goodness and light into the world that isn't just about what satisfies me in that moment. Yeah. 
and that's uh, an interesting thing, well, you know. But we still Brian, do that. We still do the purely selfish things, right? Sure. But you, but you kind of, and and it's usually out of fear or you know some some sep separate emotion. You know, one of those emotions that separates us. But uh, let me let me give you a little backstory here. I had this discussion. We had this discussion in my tenth grade English class, and that's why. I'm taking the stance I'm taking today because that's the stance my teacher took. And all of us argued adamantly about it. Yeah. That, you know, we are not selfish people. We, you know, we do things to help others. And did, but there's, there's something in people that seek altruism that they are so deathly afraid of being called selfish. Right. I am personally amazed that you can recall a 10th grade English class discussion. I loved that. I loved that class. And it was, it, it really that, had an impact yeah, on me but that's because the, I walked away thinking about it because I, yeah. I argued adamantly with him. You guys know how I can argue. Oh yes. yes. You and, know. But I walked away thinking about it. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. But that doesn't mean he was right though. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't, but it makes you think because sure. why are you so venomously against it? What, you know, so like people like, get so charged about it. Why does it upset you so badly to think that it could possibly be selfish? So why here's why. Be so selfish? Because again, for me, when I hear the word selfish, it denotes greed, regardless okay. of others. And very, very rarely, rarely in my life now, do I do anything regardless of others. I don't do anything from greed. Now, do I do things to do I do things to uh, please myself that make me feel happier? Yes, but it doesn't come at the cost of others. I'll give you a great example. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to go buy a new car. Joy's getting her license, you know, and um, we're going to probably need be needing two cars. She's working. She needs. So she's going to be driving the car that we've had for the last few years, and I'm going to go buy my. <laughs> okay. But okay. You can I'm buy yourself. Do... You can buy yourself a car at half that price and donate the rest to hurricane relief. You know, let me finish what I'm saying. Well, listen, I'm gonna donate. I have, and will continue to donate hurricane relief. You're not me. Yeah. You're jumping ahead. So, what am I gonna go out? I'm gonna go get myself a brand new Mazda Miata. I've wanted to own a Miata, Miata for years. I'm finding a place where I I can go and buy one, and we need two cars. And I mean, it's... you're doing it for others, right? No, but here's the point. Yeah. Here's the point. I'm. <laughs> I am not doing it. I am not doing it. Be and uh, 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 without what's the what's the definition here? Um, at, at the at the disadvantage or irregardless. Sorry, not irregardless. Regardless of others, no one is suffering or hurting because I bought this Mazda Miata. It's, but other people don't have the means to buy a Mazda Miata. Why do you deserve one? Point. It's not about deserve. <laughs> I don't deserve one. It's not I'm about. I'm just picking at you again. <laughs> I know you are. But it's not about deserve. Didn't didn't you guys ever read The Dark Side of Light Chasers? Yeah, I did. Every one of us has the capacity to, to be every one of these things. And for something like the word but, selfish to emotionally charge people, you really have to sit with why so, it upsets so, you. I agree. We all have the capacity, but that doesn't mean we do it. So when you say we're all selfish, I take issue to that because, again, with selfish implies greed. We're not all greedy. You're not greedy. Brian's not greedy. But you can, you can be sometimes in your life. You can't tell me you've never been or you never will be ever in your life well, greedy about not, something. That's not what I'm saying. 
But there's a difference, Tina, between saying, hey, you can have a selfish moment or you can do a selfish thing and saying you are a selfish person. Those are two different things. You're describing a state I of said you can be selfish. I didn't say everybody's a selfish person. We, we have rewind. the capacity. We, we, we all, all have the capacity to be selfish. You said we we're do. all selfish. I'm going to rewind the tape. That's what you said. And we can be. But we're, we are not all selfish. We're yeah. not. No, I don't believe I think we are. I, I agree with the 10th grade English teacher. Brian, do you do you consider yourself someone devoted to caring only for yourself, your benefits? No, I don't. Think, no, 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 no. I don't think it's only, but I think I act in a way that helps me have the most optimal existence I can. So that's, but and much of that is by blessing others. So I experience a better life by blessing others. But that there is a self something but if in there. Because it makes your life better too. But, but if you are doing yes. it so that everybody benefits yourself and others, it's not selfish because the definition of selfishness uh, is there's nobody else involved. It's just about you. Okay. And I don't okay. believe, Brian, Boy. you're helping others because you just want to feel good about yourself. I don't just believe a hedonist. <laughs> I don't believe that's your motivation. I also, but Ogan, I also right. wouldn't say I'm always a kind person or I'm always a happy person or I'm always, but, but yet, we sure. want to. We want us. We want to say, "Oh, I'm a happy person. I'm a kind person." But if we say, oh, "I'm a selfish person," oh my gosh! Like, well, oh, and this okay. is where this is where performing performance enhancers like coffee come in. Because if there's no <laughs> coffee, then the kindness goes out the window. Kindness goes out the window. <laughs> yeah. So listen, yes, to your point, Tina. To your point, do we all have moments? Yes, of course we do. Where we have moments where we're afraid. But if but but I'm generally not gonna say I am a fearful person because okay. for the most part I walk through life open hearted, courageous, vulnerable. Do you put yourself above oh. other people that don't do that? Do I put no, no, no. Yeah, they're here, you're here. No, 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 no. I'm not comparing myself to others. I'm I'm just talking about me. But are okay. there moments where yes, I do feel the fear come up within me? Absolutely. And then I gotta make a choice. Am I gonna act from the fear? or not. And are there moments where I may act from fear? Absolutely. But because I have those moments, you know, how do you, how do you characterize a person's behavior by the pattern of their actions? Pattern is right. repetition. So yeah. I have random fearful thing, you know, compared to like 15 or 20 acts of acting not out of fear, mm -hmm. then yeah, I can't say I'm a fearful person. Okay. But what if, if somebody, that's all they knew was fear? Then, and that's all they knew was selfishness. Then that's mm -hmm. them. But you can't make a blanket statement that's saying we're all selfish, <laughs> which okay, is what but, you did. But you're saying we're all one, Ogan, right? Yeah. Well, so one that, that person the is same. part of our you know, oneness. Did you not listen to U2's song? <laughs> we're one, but we're not the same. <laughs> so are you putting yourself above somebody that no, grew no. up not knowing anything no. else? Different does not mean better or worse. Different just means we're not the same. I'm not making a well, comparison of I, I don't think there's wrong with making an evaluation and saying there are things that are lead to a more optimal outcome than others it doesn't have to diminish the person but you can say certain actions lead to certain destinations and maybe but sometimes again, again, some that, are more preferable than others but that optimalness is also very subjective what's optimal for me is not optimal I knew it you know so <laughs> How can I put myself against some, you know, higher or lower oh. than somebody when there are different standards? 
This team. has been fun. This has been a lot of fun. I'm just going to say, this has been a lot of fun. How long can I keep this? I love egging you on. <laughs> My goodness. All right, wow. guys. It's been a long day. Agree. Who is greatest? He who is greatest among you will be huge if you follow my teachings. Believe me. <laughs> huge. Huge. Good stuff, All friends. Right. All right. Night, guys. Night. Bye. See ya.